Do you own or rent your home? I'll bet you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO, our friends, make it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's all wrapped up in one. It's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy, folks. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Here we are, Spike's Car Radio, with, uh, with boy, more and more, we've got these super famous uh, stars uh, <laughs> from film and television walking into our studio's document. Bo Bridges is here. Oh, Amazing. Wow. Good Very to nice to meet you, sir. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, I, I've been a fan of yours forever, a uh, fan of your dad's, fan of your brother's. You come from, you're a Hollywood royalty. You, uh, <clears throat> I, I believe, grew up here in Hollywood, right? So that's uh, why we call I you. Was, yeah, I was born, uh, born and raised here in California. Wow. Yeah. But I uh, just happened to have. Uh, been watching a show called Messiah on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. This so, Saturday, weird one, huh? My wife was out of town, and you're you're in it, and it's the it's the first series that I actually lost my mind on and watched every episode back to back. Like oh, I started goodness. Saturday yeah. night, and I woke up on the floor Sunday morning. I watched every episode. So, do you think he's the Messiah? Well, that's my first question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, but you know what? The truth of it is, I I, I can't answer that. I don't. Know. No, I mean, they didn't tell me either. So. If you guys haven't checked this show out, this is, it's got a bit of Homeland, and I know you're in the new season of Homeland, too, but right. there's a, a figure that emerges in Syria who uh, is being treated like the next coming of Christ, right? But a non-religious, the, yeah, the well, son of a, God. He's 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 got a uh, an Eastern name for that means Messiah. Right, right. And they don't... Oh, no, oh I, my. Don't, I don't need that. No, no. Are you all right, Elizabeth? Okay, I'm fine. Elizabeth just came in with a banana. Did you and need a banana? Fell, you can have a banana. banana. Huh? You can have a banana if you need a banana. Have you ever heard a guy talk with a banana in his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it later. <laughs> I'll eat it on the way home. No, but anyway. That's what um, I always ask for, by the way, when I do this stuff. The banana is the perfect interview food, isn't it? Yeah. It's just enough energy have for a, about 30 minutes. I have a grandson, Clark, who's a little over a year, and... Watching him eat a banana is the funniest thing. When he, when he sees one in the room, he goes crazy, and he asks for it, and he gets it. He takes, you know, he, my daughter gives him the banana with the peel off, and then he puts the end of it in his mouth and takes his other hand and just jams it and pokes it all the way in. Unadulterated like joy. going to choke on it. All right, Messiah. But anyway, Let's Messiah, Messiah. Yeah, so Messiah. This figure emerges Yeah, and he's got a name, kind of an Eastern name. That uh, is not Christian necessarily. Uh, he could be an Islamic Messiah. His name means the word, right? Um, yeah, I think translate uh, to Al Masih or something like that. And um, yeah, and then he shows up, and uh, 
You know, I mean, what would you do if a guy started, you know, healing people and walking on water and all that He starts stuff? performing miracles. And yeah. now at the same time, this woman, it's Michelle Monaghan, is that her name? They, Monaghan, yeah. Monaghan. Yeah. She works at the CIA and she's got eyes on this guy with some sort of drone going, we have a problem here. He's organizing people and they're, they're yeah. moving and they're marching. This could be another cult. Uh. That, so you've got this kind of homeland aspect on it. At, at the same time, this guy's coming around who's saying, I just want to help people and I want to change the world, though he has connections to Russia, which also worries everybody. Yeah, there's a and, lot of kind of similarities about what's kind of going and on now. Here's what's what's was great about it is I couldn't stop watching it because the whole time you're just like, are they going to tell us now? <laughs> is oh, yeah. he for real? Yeah. And so he'll, there, I won't ruin it for you listeners because it is a great series, but there are moments where he does miraculous things. And then in the next moment, either the right wing media or the CIA is going, there's a rational explanation for that. Yeah, because they, there are miracles in life all the time. You, know, you take a walk, you're going to see hundreds of miracles, thousands. But then. But through social media. He becomes giant. People always have their phones out, yes. and now this giant following. And happens. there's also, besides the miracles, there's also magicians out there, right? Exactly, who can pull off stuff that looks miraculous. But it's Jaron Brown uh, being one of them on yes. Broadway, who I just saw. Yeah, yeah. Scary. So you it's just never unsettling. know, you know. And you play <clears throat> at some point. This character is, suddenly emerges in a tornado town with a, a preacher who's about to burn down his church, and and mm-hmm. the Jesus character walks in and holds the tornado off. Um, and you play that uh, preacher's uh, televangelist uh, father-in-law, right? Yeah, that's yeah. where you walk into yeah, this series. And we're we're two really different men because. I uh, am a minister of a, a mega church worldwide, a huge one, you know, worth billions of dollars and flying around in my own jet and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> my son-in-law is a minister, too, but of a small church in this little town. Uh, it's a conflict, of course. Yes. And he connects up with the Messiah. And uh, it's tough uh, because I love my daughter and I think my... Son-in-law is nuts, and mm-hmm. I think this Messiah is a jerk that's you know, <laughs> ripping people off and stuff. But then this this Messiah starts to do some yeah, pretty yeah. amazing things, yeah. and I start to think, oh, wait a second. Maybe I could make a few bucks off this guy. This is an opportunity I, to explore. Yeah, because he's appearing on talk shows and stuff. It, it's, it's great. Very you guys got to check it out. You're yeah. not even here to promote that. I mean, I, I, I'm so impressed with you know uh, just how much you work. Right, you you just have not slowed down, and if anything, it appears that you're picking up. Right? Yeah, you, I'm lucky. I, I, it's a tough business to sustain. Not and, for you. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate. I've gone up and down in my career, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm on a little bit of an upswing right now. When well, did your career start? Well, let's go back to that. Yeah, I mean, okay. let's uh, let's go back to. Uh, I'm you know raising a family here in uh, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, you know as I was going dipping back into your story. I, I guess I didn't know. I mean, I know, obviously, your dad is Lloyd Bridges. I mm-hmm. was a huge fan of Lloyd Bridges. Um, I'm a huge fan of your... Is Jeff your younger brother? Yeah. So, Eight you years. know, mm-hmm. he, this is an incredible family of actors, family. right? But but let's talk about dad. What's it like growing up in uh, in that house with a very famous uh, father like that? Did, were you aware of his fame back, you know, back then? Um, not... I mean, I knew he worked as an actor. I didn't really understand uh, all the repercussions of that. He was not uh, 
uh, you know, didn't have the, uh, uh, you know, didn't have the fame that he had until he did his uh, series Sea Hunt, which mm-hmm. became very popular and kind of really brought him into the public. And that happened when I was, uh, I think, 16, 17, okay. going to Venice High School. And, you know, and then suddenly here's my dad, you know, and everyone's recognizing him. <laughs> and I made him, you know. And me. what was that like? Was well, that exciting dro- for you? When he'd take or? me to high school, I'd have him drop me off a block from school. Oh, you know, yeah. So the kids would see me getting out of daddy's car. So you know? typical, huh? What year is this? Yeah, that's, uh, I graduated in 59. So we're yeah. talking 57, because, uh, 58, something You like didn't that. want the attention. Of of uh... yeah, and then and then, but my father, uh, you know, we weren't living in in, you know, uh, in the midst of Hollywood or where all all that show business activity was, and so my where were you living? We uh, near the corner of Sawtelle National. You know, oh, was, sure, yeah, I, okay. In Mar Vista, I was going to Venice High, and um, so our friends came from all different walks of life. There were actors that came around, entertainers, and they were always fun. But uh, who were his buddies that would come around the house? His best buddy uh, was a guy named uh, Granny Kaplan. Who lived next door. <laughs> he he was uh, he used to call him a liquor mocker. He, he yeah, a, of course. He owned a liquor store sure. in Beverly Hills here, and and uh, liquor mocker. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, uh, Granny, uh, when he got his. Uh, first grandchild, they called him uh, Zadie, which is the uh, Jewish term of endearment for a grandfather. And so my dad, when he got his first grandchild, which is my son Casey, he didn't want to be called grandfather. I guess it made him seem old or something. So he said, please, I want you to call me Zadie. So they called him Zadie, and then they shortened it to Zaid, which was his name for the rest of his life from all his family. We all call him Zaid. Greenie Kaplan, what a name. Yeah, but there were also, you know, there were show people around. I can't remember exactly who they were, mm-hmm. but that that wasn't really the didn't matter the draw that came, no. brought him in. You know, no. So, but is is it your dad that inspires you to become an actor? I mean, oh, yeah. where where's your moment? When do you go? You know what? I'd like to step out onto a stage and do something. Well, I. I was carried by John Garfield through a scene when I was like a baby at <laughs> my first appearance. And then my large You still get residuals from that. Touched by magic. <laughs> yeah, I got to check into that. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, my first kind of larger, more substantial role was a movie that unfortunately comes on television every once in a while called Zamba. I was six years old. And I parachuted out of a, a burning airplane over Africa, and this <laughs> giant uh, gorilla named Zamba saves me from the lions and tigers that are trying to get me, <laughs> takes me to his cave. So and, you're the star of the movie. Yeah. So and, how did that happen? Like, you're six, you weren't well, going, hey, my, I want to audition for a my movie. My mom used to like to tell the story when I went in for the audition, and the director said, you know, there's a few things that are going to happen to your character in this story. You know, you you bail out of a burning airplane over Africa. You get hung up in the trees in, in uh, your parachute, and these lions and tigers come after you, and then this big ape takes you to his cave. <laughs> is that, you know, is that something you think you could pull off? And my mom said that I paused a second and said, you know, the only thing that kind of scares me a little bit is jumping out of that burning airplane. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not working not working with a live yeah. ape. <laughs> but then I, you know, I, I um, 
I didn't. After that, I, I really didn't uh, do too much acting as a young person. I got really interested in sports. But Love wait, that. let's let's go back because mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm flashing back to my friend John Fortenberry who made a Nickelodeon film and said, "Hey, can I borrow your kid <laughs> to be in this scene?" Right, and he was Jack was only about four years old and had. You know, it, he couldn't really say, yeah, I want to be in this movie, but he did the scene. It was uh, some Fred's Halloween thing. Mm-hmm. I always felt a little odd about it, putting him to work. Um, you know, you're, I, they don't have CGI back then for this movie, right? I haven't seen mm-hmm. the film, but yeah. I imagine they're having you work with real giant monkeys. Well, chimpanzees. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, but the big, now here, now no, what I, I mean, I'll tell you, the big ape. Uh, Zemba yeah. was portrayed by an old Western <laughs> hero na- named Crash Corrigan, who had right. a, who he had a, a, f- a ranch out in the valley called Corriganville, which is where a lot of films came out there and used his wild animals that he had out there and stuff for the filming. And Crash portrayed Zemba. He was in this. Uh-huh. Uh, gorilla suit and it was terrible because it was the heat of summer and I can still hear his voice saying, so it was a guy in a gorilla suit it and wasn't this is a real the late gorilla 40s yeah yeah, yeah 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 because what I from what I know about real chimps is after they're a year old they'll bite your fingers off and they have oh, to yeah. you know you have to take them off camera no that part was fun the chimps were cool I, they I were cool so yeah. it was a positive experience for you yeah but then I I um, you know I I then uh like I said, I got interested in athletics. Um, I really enjoyed that. Well, I played basketball and baseball in high school and college. I got to play uh, basketball under John Wooden at UCLA, wow, no which way. was really cool. And wow. I thought for a while that maybe I'd get into coaching or playing or something. And then, what position did you play? Oh, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> it certainly, yeah, it certainly wasn't <laughs> left or a right. Forward or center. But um, then, uh, but you must have been pretty good. Sure. Well, I was a pretty good high school player. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, being on that team, you know, was a rude awakening for right. me because suddenly, uh, you know, my jump shot from the corner kind of faded, and I was in there with, you know, two guys that would become. All pros, you know, when they when they joined the <clears throat> professional ranks, and and so it was a those different world. Um, one was um, uh, God, they changed their names all the time. Larry Bird. No, no, no. Good. Walt Hazard, who became <clears throat> Abdul Rahman, and the oh, other yeah. one was Gail Goodrich. Wow. I don't know him. And they're both great, great players. But um, uh, yeah, so I just played the freshman year. And I said, well, no, this is not going to happen. And then I saw that I had this opportunity to get into, uh, or have a, a help up to get into a business. It's so hard to get up. Right, Because my right. dad could help me get that first job, which was a real blessing. What were you studying in college besides basketball? Um, Where I did you, you think know, it I was going? Really, I didn't really, you know, it was weird. I went to UCLA, so they don't allow you to declare your, mari- your marriage, declare yeah. your major Right. Immediately uh, for the first two years. And I didn't like that. I took a lot of courses, so I switched to the University of Hawaii when I realized (laughs) that my basketball career wasn't going to work out. And I phased out my college education Mm -hmm. 
in the islands there uh, surfing. And uh, <laughs> and I, I regret it. I wish I could have graduated. All my five kids have all graduated. You yeah, know, yeah. I didn't. No. Well, in I'm, in that sa- I'm in that same boat. I, I left after three years, and now I'm here with you. Yeah. So here we are together. That's but, right. I, but why I would imagine that UCLA would want to say, here, let us give you a degree right now. Come make a speech, and, and we're going <laughs> to. They haven't. They haven't offered uh, that yet. No, with no, all no, that no. you've accomplished, <laughs> no, they have not. No, I don't think the the uh, big institutions of education are going to be doing stuff like that. Why? Not why these I'll days. be <laughs> supremely yeah. proud that that you went there. I'm trying to get Berkeley <laughs> College of Music to do it now. Now I've always been kind of embarrassed. I went to Berkeley College of Music. I come to here now. It's one of the top three Very feeder schools for entertainment. And now, <laughs> I, now I would that like to go something. get my honorary degree. I'll make. Speech. I'll call them for you. You are you going to yeah. handle that? Yes, you're. Well, can we him. handle Mr. Bridges first? <laughs> I mean, if anybody deserves it, it would be him. Yes, he wants to be a, a you know a guiding light for this this grandson who has trouble eating bananas. We'll get your PhD. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lawyer in his part time. Yes, yes. So he can handle this for you. Anyway, uh, Lloyd, uh, your dad. What was he like as a dad? Because I always kind of imagined him growing up as kind of my dad, too. It's like, he would be a great dad. Yeah, I think what you saw on the screen with him was probably uh, pretty close to the man he was. He was a great dad, real uh, active in all our lives. Mm -hmm. He traveled a lot, as we do as actors. uh, But when he was home, he was, you know, coaching my teams like I do with all my kids. He he was... uh, he was a great dad. And uh, and then suddenly shows this supremely funny side of himself in Airplane, where, is, where yeah. I really meet him for the first time again. He always... Did you go to the Airplane premiere? I can't You're probably I out of the house by that point. Yeah, but, I can't remember. Yeah, but that was but a when great you, one. But when you watched the movie, did you go, wow, dad, I can't believe how funny you are. My dad was a real straight arrow. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and was very concerned about Jeff and I, you know, during the time we were growing up in the teenage years and mm-hmm. stuff, and was always, you know, asking us questions and stuff. Making sure and that we saw that film, Jeff and I, and saw him hanging upside down <laughs> after sniffing glue and saying, <laughs> saying what, is, what, is, what does he say? It's a great time for sniffing glue or something like that. It's like I picked the wrong time and to give yeah, up sniffing that, glue. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it was. And we went to him. And sat him down, and we said, Dad, you know, I can't believe <laughs> that you're you did this film. You know, uh, you have a responsibility to your fans. I said, you've got a lot of young people that really follow your career and follow you as a person, and now you're sniffing glue in front of them. I guess his face got off. <laughs> really? So he was upset by it? Weren't you just busting well, we his balls? Screwing? Oh, yeah. We, we had fun with it, yeah. <laughs> That was 1980, but, is that when that yeah, was? Yeah, I think so. But that it, cracked me up, that movie. It was 1980, good. that's right. And it was right. fun for him because he always had a real active funny bone mm-hmm. and and uh, funny guy. Uh, we uh, had him on Seinfeld. I don't. You probably don't know this about me, but I was a Seinfeld writer. He was uh, Izzy Mandelbaum. Oh, oh, we were worried about that show because Mandelbaum. he was doing like pratfalls, remember? Yeah, that? yeah. Going to his knees and stuff, and he was like in his late 80s. and yeah. He played um, yeah, down in the retirement community. This uh, strong man yeah. trainer. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I think I, I pulled up a clip here. I know we're going to talk about your movie too, and I, know you, I hope you don't mind talking about your dad. But no, here, let's no listen way. to this clip of uh, okay. of your dad in Seinfeld, because I'm probably the only guy who can play this on his podcast without getting sued. 
This is uh, from Season 9, Episode 4, The Blood, Izzy Mandelbaum. Hello, boy. <laughs> Mr. Mandelbaum, you're the personal trainer? I'm here to whip you into shape, so grab your jock if you need one. <laughs> now they go to the gym for the workout. Okay, Mr. Mandelbaum, what do you want me to do? Drop your purse, honey. <laughs> that medicine ball. Is this a gym or some kind of fitness museum? That's funny. Over your head with it. Are you ready? For what? All aboard the pain train. Now he's punching him. <laughs> stomach really softly. Jerry How many sh- sessions did my parents pay for? Not enough to make a man of you. Daffodil. Daffodil. Great. Your dad. God bless him. Yeah. Provided us with all that entertainment. Hot shots, another great one. The big game is just around the corner, which means lots of good times with friends and lots of food, which is why you need Butcher Box. Whether you're cooking for a crowd or just getting together with a family, eating is half the fun. Guess what? You sign up at Butcher Box right now, you're going to get free wings for life. That's right, free wings for life. But what is Butcher Box, Spike? Well, I can tell you. I got a Butcher Box over the weekend. And let me tell you my experience. Big box, says Butcher Box on it. You open it up, filled with a week's worth of meat and groceries. But here's what happened to me. Every single thing was the type of uh, hamburger and steak and steak tips and chicken and salmon. All of it was the stuff my wife buys. The right kind, you know, like the wild-caught salmon and the grass-fed steak. Cook that stuff up. It was super delicious. Their idea is a no-brainer. The best meat shipped right to your door, which means one less trip to the grocers. Well, guess what? Just for listening to me in this ad, you're going to get free wings for life, plus $20 off your first box. That's three pounds of wings in every box for the life of your subscription, plus $20 off your first box. Just go to ButcherBox, forward slash Spike, and use promo code Spike at the checkout. This is ButcherBox.com forward slash Spike, and use promo code Spike. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Excuse me. May I, uh, may I please have everyone's attention? We're gathered here today to honor the life of Bruno, my son who, for those of you who don't know, was recently commissioned by the city council to design our new firehouse. But it's a a rather bittersweet celebration in that we also honor the memory of his beloved wife, Lydia. And uh, I've written a few words. It's a bit of a, a poem. Lydia was your name. And Lydia, my son, loved. Doesn't rhyme. Now Lydia is gone. And the vast, empty spaces she has left in our hearts and faces will never be filled. To my brave son, whose spirit is the spirit of a titan, 
who is loyal to his wife like a dog. You, my son, have been a true hero, and you make us proud. Happy birthday, Bruno. You've got a new film. Elsewhere. It's Elsewhere. Tell us about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, Elsewhere. Uh, we made it, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago in uh, Victoria Island. Beautiful spot. I don't know if you've ever been up there. No, no, it's have not. gorgeous. And uh, it's um, it's a love story. Um, and I'm in there with some great actors. Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong. Hugely funny. Funny, funny guy, but he's it's a kind of a serious role for mm-hmm. him this time. And uh, Parker Posey, Parker Posey, Aiden Young, uh, good group. And uh, I think it's a good story, love story. And it's about uh, something that I, I think is so important that I've always talked to my my kids about, uh, you know, the the importance of following your heart. You know, mm. uh, if you if you feel like you uh, you want to reach out to somebody that you're interested in. Go for it, because the worst thing that can happen is they laugh at you or turn around and walk away. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you never. Maybe you'll never make that connection that you need to make. Uh, because I I know that uh, traveling through life with a partner uh, that you love is uh, huge. I mean, my wife Wendy and I now have been together for like forty years, and uh, it, you know I can't, I couldn't have done it without her in my life. Did it ever get hard with her? Oh, sure. How many kids do you have? Five. Five yeah. kids. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe this, Zuckerman? What a full great thing he's got going on. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. Huh? I want to be in the Bridges family. <laughs> the Z- the Zuckerman get... family the Zuckerman family was not so great. It's, you know, this sounds great. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Dad's a movie star, TV star. The kids end up being movie stars and television stars and film stars. Big families and coaching the whole deal. They've got it all, right? they got it all. And now he's still moving. Right. He's hustling. Look at him. Look I, I, what he's I'm, got. I, yeah, he's got it going on. He's got a new movie that's uh, opening uh, January 24th, 2020 in theaters and on demand. Um, mm-hmm. So that's coming out. We'll get that out beforehand. Um, we've got a little more time here. I, I, I came across this, um, and I have to ask you this because I'm sure. dealing with it in my house right now. You can help me greatly. Mm-hmm. On our uh, living room table, we like to keep an orchid. Oh, you and know this, I like orchids. Yeah. And this orchid um, usually dies every three weeks, and okay. I end up having to go buy the next big orchid, and I'm getting tired of it. And you are an orchid farmer, or you raise them, right? Really? Yeah, what what happened was I, I was doing a, a, a part of playing a judge uh, down in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, and it was patterned after an actual judge who I went and met. And I went to his house, and he had all these old orchids that had been handed down uh, to family members through the centuries. I mean, very you know, different varieties, yeah. Yeah, orchids live longer than most people. Really? You know, so that's not, not an unusual thing to leave Will an orchid to somebody. <laughs> not, a, not a dead orchid <laughs> like the ones that you have at your house, preferably Mine a live, live one. Live 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> they go into the dumpster. So I got into it. At that time, because I was doing research mm-hmm. and found, and I've always been interested in growing things, always growing my own vegetables and stuff in my house, but uh, I found orchids so interesting because I always thought they were real fragile. You yeah. Know, and you had to be real careful with them. So but they're not. It, no. In fact, they're, uh, they're a very tough plant. I mean, they have to have the right environment 
so uh, like if you're living in, in the Hawaiian Islands or down in Florida, you can just tie them in trees and forget about them. You know, the, the water, the, could, because the air temp is just about the right. Right. But if you live in California, like we do here in L.A., you either have to have a greenhouse or you have to just try to treat them, you know, make sure they have they don't get too cold or too hot. So and they when, like and it here's warm the, and wet. Here's the key: when that spike comes up, mm. when you when you go to the market, you buy it's got the beautiful spike. You don't want to get them, by the way, with all the flowers out. You want to, always want to make sure that they have a few buds on them. You know, they're going to come uh-huh. out. And then when it's done, which will take the flower usually lasts about two months, you just cut that spike off real low. And leave the leaves, and it should be okay. And, and now, when you say that spike off, what part of the, the spike? Plenu? In other words, the the, <laughs> the thing that the flower's on that okay. big long thing. You take that off, cut it right off, way at the bottom, and then when but you. But then won't the thing go limp and just lay? No, no, it'll, it'll come back later. It should come back, and, and and you continue watering it, taking care of, it, put it on a windowsill. You know, as you get. I was told three ice cubes a week. Amounts of water in this thing. That's okay. The important thing is to make sure that the water goes through. In other words, Uh what I do is I just put it under the sink, you know, and let it just run out. Mm -hmm. And then leave it in the sink till all the water goes, and then you can put it in a vase. You don't want it to be sitting in standing water. That's not a good thing. Spike's Orchid Radio. That's, that's what right. you're listening that's to. Next, that's your, your next incarnation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're getting an insight into my insanity because that's what I was doing this weekend. I went from fixing a taco mini bike to replacing the lights around the house to working on the orchid. That's, I don't stop. I have a problem you know, with all that stuff. Are, are you a car guy in any way? What kind of car did Lloyd Bridges drive? Uh, my dad, God, he... He, his first, one of his first cars when I was little, uh, which apparently he, I think he may have had in college, but I know one of their first heavy kisses, my mom and dad, was in the rumble seat. Do you know what that is? In the yeah, back yeah. of a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had that. And then growing up, we had a lot of different cars. I think we had a, uh, my dad finally, um, Got, when he got his series, he got his first Cadillac. Uh-huh. Which yeah. Embar- Sign of success. Embar- embarrassed me. I didn't particularly it did. like it. It was a Cadillac, <clears throat> uh, what do you call it, with uh, convertible. Um, kind of funny story with me and my first car, <clears throat> my dream car, when I was a senior or junior, senior, whenever I got my license, my dream car was always to get a 50 Olds. Right. Or a 50 Merc, you know, the Jimmy yeah. Dean right. mm-hmm. car. And saving up my money for it and stuff. And then uh, when I was had my learner's permit, you have to drive, you know, with a, a, a regular licensed driver. Uh, I hated driving the, my mom's Buick. She had a, a 55 Buick special. And I hated driving it with her sitting in <laughs> right. passenger seat. Not and very guys, manly. Mommy's car, you know, they yeah. yell all this stuff. <laughs> So <laughs> my parents went on a trip for a weekend, mm-hmm. and the minute they were gone, I had a plan. So of what course. I did is I took my mom's Buick Special, I drove it without a, a driver, a, adult a legal driver in the yeah. in the seat, and went to a uh, uh, a uh, 
muffler shop and had two glass pack <laughs> mufflers installed on my mother's bureau. You did? Yeah, and thinking that she's not going to notice. She right? won't notice that. That is such yeah. a kid decision. That when is so great. They came home and and my mother put the gas on them. She was freaked and and she says, oh, well, you just bought my car. So you she know. knew exactly what happened. Yeah, so I didn't get the one I wanted, but I took I took that I I did have to pay her for her car. Mm-hmm. I drove it down to Tijuana. I got <laughs> white tuck and roll upholstery oh, in it. I got a <clears throat> ding dong bell installed. I got a blue octopus hanging on the rearview mirror. I was styling, so I ended up liking. I, you know, so do you understand absolutely. anything he's talking you know about? The, you know those. I don't. You, you know a, those a blue octopus. You know those holes on the side of a yeah, the, Buick the special holes. They throw on the side four. of a what? On the back, on the side of a of a uh, Buick. Uh, the okay, Buick right, right, right. Yes. The port holes. Yes, I, I know that. Four. I had those leaded in. Uh-huh. I took off the ornament, uh, put a bullnose on it, and had uh, <laughs> this guy, Art <laughs> Summers, do pinstriping on it. That makes the most sense. Which well, was what? wild. And Art Summers was an old guy when I saw him. And he was kind of famous at the time. And I saw him, and I, and I just got this beautiful... Uh, blue paint job on my car and he comes there and his hand was like quivering and shaking and I thought oh shit he's going to screw my car up yeah man the minute his brush touched my car it just became like a rock and still and he did this beautiful artistic image. thing around yeah that was, what is this in Tijuana was a place that was full of auto upholstery and auto shops that did it yeah. for a fraction of the price exactly and they still if you if you drive into Tijuana you go across the border there's guys waving you into the old tuck and roll shops that still exist yeah. and they will they will instantly rip out your interior and within a day or two they'll they'll put you in a, a whole crazy you know custom interior and paint your car or do whatever so what right? is the, the only thing I don't understand Stand is the octopus. What is the blue octopus? What, cool. what do you well, mean? That was a popular thing at that time. You either hung dice. It's okay. So it's like, dice. It's, it's like yeah, fuzzy dice. Or an octopus. Yeah, right. that kind of a thing. Now I drive a Tesla 3. Now you're a Tesla Model 3 guy. I love it. I mean, I bought... I haven't been to a gas station in like 10 years. I hope not. That doesn't take gas. I bought the... <laughs> yeah, right. I bought the original OG uh, Prius that uh-huh. got me started. And uh, I love it. I'll never go back to gas. You did some car movies in the in the in the sixties oh, yeah. and seventies. Yeah, I did uh, uh, the Shirley Muldowney movie, right? Um, Heart like a wheel. Heart like a wheel. Yeah, that was fun. You were the husband, right? Yeah, uh, Connie Coletta. Yeah, he didn't like my performance too much. But well, yeah, because you know, because he came off as a jerk and a white beater. <laughs> Is that what it was? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want the world to see what he was like. <laughs> what about McQueen? Did you know Steve McQueen? Oh, I wish I had. Of all the guys, I mean, I loved him like so many people do. What I about Garner? Did, did you ever run into Garner? Uh, yeah, Jim, I did. And what a wonderful man. Yeah. He was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we worked I, together. I saw him... <clears throat> When he was still working on uh, a set over on Bronson, I think, on the studio, I was doing something over there, and as I walked down, there's James Garner dressed as a cowboy smoking a cigarette. He's an old <laughs> guy standing there. I'm yeah. like, is that real? Am I seeing this, or is yeah, this something that happened 30 years ago? But yeah. it was him, and I just walked by, and my mouth just opened. Oh, oh my yeah. God, it's yeah. Jim Rockford, <laughs> but in a classic 
you yeah. know, Gar. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. So you, you got the movie coming out, right? You're mm-hmm. promoting the movie. Yep. You got the series. Mm-hmm. Homeland, right? Is, is there another season of Homeland that you're a part of? Or no, you, no. <clears throat> this is the last that, season of Homeland. Yeah. But that hasn't aired yet. No. It'll be airing uh, pretty quick. I and think. you've already shot it. It's yep. in the can, as they We're say. We're finished. Wow. And um, another big project that I have coming up is uh, my daughter Emily and I wrote a play 10 years ago, which we performed here in Los Angeles, called Acting the First Six Lessons. It was, uh, we adapted a a book of the same name, a a book that my father gave me when I was 16 about Mm -hmm. the craft of acting, but also a relationship between a teacher and his student who he calls the creature, young girl, comes to him. And... uh, we just made it into a movie. It's, been, it's now wow. been made into a movie. Yeah, it'll, you know, we're, my daughter directed me in it, and it'll. Uh, she's editing it now. It should be coming out pretty soon. Well, what was that like to have your daughter direct you? Did you see? You know, when you disagree about things, did you go look? I just I'm did, your dad. I, I just did what I was told. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I do with my wife. I might the, as well do it with my daughter. Is that too. the secret to you strike Happiness. me as a, <laughs> a guy on set that might just be that way as an actor, right? You know, uh, you seem like a dream on set, right? Or, or, well, I, ha- I have that. I have a lot of faith in my daughter, too. I no, mean, but I'm just saying, forget about her. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel when you walk onto a set and you're I usually say, story? I usually or? say the same thing. Two directors I work with, I say, um, this, the way I see this experience is uh, I want to help you realize your vision of this story, not not my vision. So it's important to me to know exactly how you see this, how you see my guy. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> So you're not one of these guys who's wearing the character 24-7. No, I say I, what I'd really like to be is a, a gun on your hip, you know. I said it. And I, I said, I'm going to talk to you about everything I see. I said, I've been doing this for a long time, and I don't need any um, long-winded uh, you know, strokes from you. If you don't like the idea, you just don't do it. And I said, just tell me yes or no, you know, because I know the timing is important. Right. So I'm always coming in with ideas, but then you know, just <clears throat> wow. do it the way they want me to dream. do it. What a dream. You must have seen some crazy what a dream. stuff. Oh, yeah. And also, if, it, if the person's an asshole... And you're in there with a boss who's a boss who's an <laughs> asshole. Then it's every man for woman for themselves, and you just you take still a want step to be a back and you hip? see how. And then my father, my father used to say to me, "If you want to get an idea across to your boss, to director, if you're making a movie, you know, and you have an idea, he says, don't give the whole idea. You know, just give enough so that they understand what it is." And then just back off and let them go with the idea, and in the end, it'll be their idea. And then, right. and then they'll say, "Oh, oh, that's good." And then you say, that's "Yeah, good. I like that. You know, that's yeah, good, right, right?" But it was your idea. the seed, the seed planting, seed theory, as yes, we say. You put theory. that seed that's in right. there that's and right. let the tree grow in their mind. Okay, um, can I ask? You who, have what, was, who, what was the worst ever? experience you had making a movie. He's probably not going to tell you that. I know. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy, but uh, I want to ask. Well, let me he can think. tell us in general terms. Yeah. There was a movie. It was It was like um, this. We were... The worst. Hmm. That's, uh, it's tough, right? Because know, some I, movies are, are nice No, I'll tell you why it's tough. Because, first of all, I feel so blessed to be telling these stories. You right. know? And during the making of each movie that I've done... 
it's a very full, exciting experience because it hasn't been born yet. You're, you're creating it. It's, it's, it's a good experience. Then, you know, some of them work out, some of them don't. But, you know, I, no, I, I, would, I would find it hard to speak like that about any of the films I've done. I mean, some of them are more successful than others, but they've all been enjoyable in one way or another. I'm blessed to be telling the stories. And still going. Right. So, so how does it work for you now? You've wrapped all this stuff up. What's next? Do you, ha- you have an agent. Does he call you up? Do you still audition uh, sometimes uh, it's been a long time since I've auditioned, but I, I don't mind doing. People it just go, something. "We want him in the part." But you, know you don't what mind, they, right? You know what actors do now all the time? Because I have kids who are actors; they audition on film all the time. Now. Right, right. They Skype um, it in. But I think that uh, I, um, you know, the audition process is probably the most difficult aspect of of what we do mm-hmm. as actors. I think. I have. Uh, I'm leaving for New Orleans pretty soon to do a movie, movie called One Night in Miami, directed by Regina King. And my daughter Emily, who I mentioned before, uh, is going to be playing my granddaughter, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. <laughs> That's a kick in the seat. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Well, yeah. you have a humility to you, sir. It's inspiring. I really, uh, I'm oh. really taken by it. You know, well, someone you. Uh, at your level and the work that you do and just the way you approach it. it we need more of that in, wears in entertainment. Easy. He wears it really comfortably and easily. Yeah. yeah right and it's size. also and it's also rare too. just these these, uh, you know, these L.A. Hollywood families. It's rare that you just meet those. Right. Zuckerberg, well, most it, people here in L.A. aren't from L.A. We're up from well, different I'm, parts I'm of the really world. Struck, I'm really struck that that Bo is really a link in a way. Would he did that movie Zemba in the late forties? Think that you're in, ha- you're working with guys that were there at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Like the, who was this guy with the Kate Corker, Casey, the, the guy mm-hmm. with the animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he must've been around forever. What was his name again? The guy with the, with the monkey. Oh, Crash Corrigan. Yeah. Crash Corrigan. He must've been. Yeah. He was yeah. there for a long time. Yeah. Well, there you go. You've really straddled it. You know, uh, one thing that I, I, I just wanted to mention for those who haven't heard about this uh, real quick, my my two major mentors were my dad and my basketball coach at UCLA, John Wooden, won 10 national championships yeah. almost in a row. No one will ever come close to that. And John Wooden created a thing as an English teacher before he became a coach. He was a young English teacher called the Pyramid of Success. Right. And what it is is the building blocks that you need in your character to find success. And for coach, success had nothing to do with winning. It had to do with finding peace of mind. And how do you find peace of mind? By leaving the task, knowing that you've done your very best. If you, if you do that, you can't lose. He says, yeah, because yeah. you can't control the other competition because they maybe had a better night than you did. But if you play hard, do your best, and, you, and, and then uh, the two cornerstones of the pyramid are uh, industriousness, hard work, and enthusiasm, joy. Mm. Because Coach used to say, anybody can bring hard work to the table, but when you bring it together with joy, that's when special things happen. Really inspiring. And then at the very top of the pyramid, when it's game time and you have all these other blocks coming to the time when your task is at hand, it's the peak of the pyramid is divided in half. Faith and patience 
Wow. You know, he was, he there was you go. spiritual lesson. Did you know oh. that you were really learning from a master? Oh, that, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and he stayed giant. in touch with all his players, even the guys that sat on the bench like me. You know, we all he used to hang at a place called VIPs in the Valley. We'd all go in there and sit around, hang with him, and introduce our kids to him. He was an amazing man. And then your dad, did he have a pyramid of his own? No, but he knew, he knew Wooden. And my dad played uh, for UCLA basketball in 1936. What what position did he play? He was <laughs> he was, he was taller, a guard. Right? He was a guard. Too. He was he, he was taller. a tall guy. Yeah, he was taller than me. But he, he was, was yeah. But now the guards are like six eight. You know? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. I I can't believe he was taller than you because you're about yeah. five ten, five eleven, somewhere yeah. in there. I'm shrinking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you and Dick Van Dyke. Anyway, the new film is called Elsewhere. It uh, premieres January twenty fourth, twenty. 20 you can see it in the theater and also on demand when it when we say on demand what does that mean we can we're going to get it where oh don't ask me those kinds of questions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right that's a technical question this is uh bo bridges a, a real pleasure to meet you sir it's, good meeting you spike uh you're an inspiring guy that pyramid thing zuckerman right we're going to look it up we're we're, we're yeah. gonna, let's post we it. know all of those elements yes. i've just never seen it arranged together. in a shape i think it'll make perfect right? sense and yeah, that's a good one yeah because you got to have joy in what you do. That's mm-hmm. what I always tell the guys working for me. You know, if you're if you're lucky enough to be good at something, mm-hmm. you better be in love with it. And if you're not, put on a new pair of glasses. Fall mm-hmm. in love with it because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's going to be the key to success. Exactly. And I think that that's the joy uh, and the industriousness, that all yeah. of that together. Yeah. 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 We've inspired many, many people today. Many souls were oh, saved. All of you listening on these long haul rides and workshop, doing what you're doing. Maybe you're on a plane. I hope you're inspired today by Bo Bridges, a little less inspired by Zuckerman. And <laughs> Why, you shouldn't be inspired by a cretin like me. I'm foul. I don't know what I am to you people, but I'm glad to have you here. Uh, we'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.